Hey, y'all, listen in as we talk, continue talking about the top five quality management system failures of all time. We're going to briefly discuss the iPhone 4 and then a very big damn failure. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey everyone, welcome back to Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. And we are going to continue talking about, um, I think we've missed a few weeks. You've had some guests we on. missed one week. And different things. Yeah. Well, I've missed. Yes, you've weeks. missed several weeks. Um, you've been doing bad. But we were talking about the five greatest quality management disasters of hiccups all time. or whatever yes. by somebody. I'm trying to find the front of this article. <laughs> Dominic uh, Trey Montana. Yeah, I think that's Trey it. Montana. Um, so... We talked about Hubble last time. Yes. And so um, the next one, we're just going to kind of gloss over. I don't feel like it was that big of a deal. Maybe it was to people that had it. It's the iPhone 4. There was a design flaw with the internal antenna. And if you held your phone a certain way, it would drop the call. Yes. Because <laughs> the yes. antenna. Um, <laughs> look. Okay. Well, yeah. Go we, ahead. Okay. So if you look at design and development, this is a conversation that I have somewhat frequently. Um, so let's back up for folks that aren't in the quality world every day is in these standards, we'll use ISO 9001, but it's not the only one. They have the option for an exclusion to design and development. So if you don't design and develop a product, you just buy, sell, do your work, whatever it is, then you can exclude design and development. Okay. If on the other hand, you design and develop products that you then sell, well, that's a whole heap of additional complications that gets tossed in there. So with design and development, you've got a few things in it. So there's two types of major testings you have to do. Test one is verification. Test two is validation. So test one for verification, and I'm oversimplifying it here, but verification is did we build what we set out to build? Okay. Validation is does it work the way we intended it to work? This is so a, you can very easily have yes to verification and no to validation. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the greatest all-time examples of screwing or up there. you can have <laughs> for validation, no, but we've already spent enough time and money and people are waiting on it, so we're going to release it. That is true as well. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up uh, conducting a voluntary recall to correct the problem. Yeah. Um, so the next one on the list is the Teton Dam, T-E-T-O-N damn uh-huh um so a little bit of history that i found uh construction started in 1972 uh by 1975 it was essentially complete and the failure began in 1976 oh fun um and it was just a matter of wait 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 oh damn <laughs> hours or days <laughs> till you know it came be glad i don't get paid for the jokes crashing down and i am trying to deliver y'all some good content and kyle is ruining that for me <laughs> <laughs> okay keep going sorry um 
So this is an article. Where did I find this? It's a case study. Uh, damnfailures.org. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can go look it up for yourself. Um, D-A-M, no N. Yes. So uh, this article, I've just highlighted a few things. There was design and construction related deficiencies uh, related primarily to the foundation treatment of the dam, as well as adherence to the construction schedule, which, <laughs> you know, how many times have things gone wrong because we got a schedule to follow and it's yep. costing us more money. Yep. Um, so the dam was located in an area with highly permeable foundation materials. Okay. Proper treatment of that foundation material was not implemented. Mm. The dam's designers did not take the site-specific geological conditions into account when developing the structure. Okay. And all of this was exacerbated by the lack of communication between the design and construction engineers about the preparation for the dam foundation. Communication, it is one of those uh, requirements that so many people gloss over. Well, we'll just tell them what they need to know. Well, it's included in the this, it's included in the that. And, you know, twice in the last couple of weeks, I've had a conversation with someone talking about communications. And so what I tell them is, yes, we have a communications procedure, and but our communications procedure doesn't necessarily include anything novel, anything new, but your communications procedure needs to be one of these procedures as what we call a summary procedure. It doesn't really give you any new content, any new requirements, but it's a single place to go look for everything. So when I have to hand over requirements to someone, that communications procedure should lead me if not, tell me what I need to know. It should at least point me in the direction of where I need to go of what needs communicated, what format does it need communicated, and what document and information do we need to retain to make certain it was communicated. Well, and it's kind of a CYA thing. Like, let's not verbally do things. Let's put it on paper so yeah. we can say, no, no, I did what I was supposed to do. Right. I gave it to them. Now it's on them. No, I don't deny it can get into that, but proper communication can be a huge preventative so huge in preventative. addition to all of this um the foundation wasn't treated adequately oh so what they did do to treat it was inadequate and inconsistent yeah, so how do you put permeable material in a dam well that's what was already there oh. is, i think is what they're saying it was located in an area with highly permeable foundation material so that's what was already there okay and they didn't work with that accordingly. Gotcha. So I guess they were supposed to deal, build, dig a trench to prevent seepage. And so they, okay, although a key trench was constructed in an attempt to prevent seepage through the previous embankment, the slush grouting at the key trench was insufficient. In addition, slush grouting was stopped once the elevation reached 5200 oh okay so all of their safety measures and controls can just get cut out and removed after a certain point in the operation i guess okay so um you know it was and then i guess it crashed i didn't read the details of you know what the damage was oh here we go the resulting rapid release of the entire contents of the reservoir flooded. <laughs> That's quite a word that. Flooded five counties, inundated 
over 300 square miles and traveled a distance of 155 miles downstream. Oh, my gosh. So I guess, you know, a lot of damage there. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Because they didn't want to talk about it or do what they were yeah, supposed to well, do. Yeah, I mean, these things are so incredibly important. I mean, and we deal with this on a regular basis here as well, is when you're in a project and things don't go the way that they're supposed to, surprise, surprise, it happens all the time <laughs> with anyone everywhere. I mean, people are people and we can't plan things perfectly. Um, let me kind of give myself a disclaimer there that does not uh, de-emphasize the requirements and importance of planning. A good detailed plan can save you tons of time. But part of that good and detailed plan is, and they include this in APIQ2 standard, um, which most other quality management standards don't have this clause, is contingency planning. The idea of contingency planning is you discuss, decide, and document procedures ahead of time of what do we do in the event of. What do we do in the event of? So what do we do in the event that our production is a month behind? That You need a contingency plan gotcha. there. What do we do in the event of? And you think about all the worst-case scenarios that could happen. And you start with those absolute horrific worst-case scenarios, and then you work yourself back to what are the most common scenarios that could occur. The stuff in the middle, we're not going to worry about nearly as much. The absolute most common things that go wrong, and what's the absolute worst thing that can go wrong. And you have to define those contingency plans up front. Now, when they constructed the SAM, A, it's not in the oil and gas world, so Q2 wouldn't have mattered. And Q2 didn't exist then. I was about to say, and it was in 1972. (laughs) But it's still good principles, and this is a great example of, of why it matters. And so, yes, part of your contingency planning should be, if we fall behind on this project, how critical is that to us how critical is that to the employee not the employee the uh, uh the client and how critical is that to the other interested parties in the area um if you don't plan well, these things talking about contingency plans so um this may have been in the uh damnfailures.org article i didn't highlight it um but in uh in dominic trey montana's yes. little article what did he cite he reason. mentioned the improper materials but also the main outlet and spillway gates that would relieve pressure were closed (laughs) and blocked with sheet metal for painting. (laughs) It was regular maintenance, but it was being done in the spring, which is a time that it's expected that the reservoir would fill Yes, and then flood. So let's take a look here. If we were so design from what little bit we know here, what are the causal factors we got? So, um, a, there's permeable materials that they didn't account for. I mean, it's a dam. You're, you're meant to hold things back. <laughs> okay. So the uh, their overflow. But it was, seems like they did account for it some. They some. dug a trench some. Yeah. And put some grouting in some. Yeah. Which is, is a little more um, disconcerting. Because it's my like, seatbelt on some. I just didn't buckle it. Yeah, it's like they knew it needed to be there. <laughs> yeah. But didn't bother doing it all the way. Yeah. So then we had that. Then they had the preventative maintenance schedule, which, again, is something we've run into so often. I'll tell you, probably at least half of every audit we do, preventative maintenance is a finding. Mm-hmm. It's almost always a finding. And people gloss over it so commonly. But preventive maintenance is huge. It's not just we'll fix it when it's broke. It's not just, well, we've got a schedule. Okay, fine. You've got a schedule. Does that schedule actually work for your operation? 
Maybe yes, maybe and no. And do you follow the schedule? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I ran into this personally with something as simple as most folks here probably deal with is uh, forklift preventive maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... His chair just sunk down <laughs> on him and he dropped to the floor. <laughs> okay. So forklift preventive maintenance, I made a huge mistake when uh, I first took over safety is I got all of the forklift preventative maintenance scheduled and I had it all done on the same day. So we had our uh, shipping receiving bay full of all of our forklifts with someone there working on them. They brought in like three techs to work on them all because it was so much work. And for four hours, we had no forklifts and our shipping receiving bay was full. Mm -mm. Caused all sorts of problems. We couldn't receive... A, we couldn't receive material because we didn't have a forklift. Mm -hmm. um, B, even when we did get the one forklift done, all the others are still tore apart and being worked on where everything's supposed to be unloaded. It was a huge mess. It, it probably caused problems for three or four weeks after that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, poor planning is is huge. So, I mean, we're coming back to the same stuff. Planning, communication. I mean, it's huge. But these get glossed over because it's what it's part of our uh, our everyday routine, you know? Well, and it almost seems like it's the the feel good side of the quality management. Right. You know, like the communication, like it just feels like, okay, we're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. So we can skip it. Right. Because it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. It, it's not critical until six months later when things go horribly wrong and you weren't expecting it. And you it. flood five counties. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, I'm going to gather this isn't a horribly densely populated area. It was in Idaho. It's in Idaho. And okay. I don't know if it's still there What's or the not. the population of Idaho? I mean, we probably got more, 10 times more people here in Houston. Not making fun of anyone in Idaho. Property damage was $400 million, and there were 11 fatalities, and there was an evacuation. I mean, I'm not downplaying any of that, but, I mean, considering how big... <laughs> of an event this was it could have been a lot worse yeah it says here today it's 1.78 million but in the, in 70s, the whole state of idaho yeah oh. in the 70s it looks like they were close to 1 million okay okay but still yeah. i mean you know if you're the family that lost one of those 11 no that's kidding. pretty devastating i mean imagine your whole home just getting wiped and washed and away. we know about people being flooded we oh, didn't gosh. flood during harvey but we knew so many people that did oh yeah and um that's I mean, it looked just like a war zone for weeks it just feels so hopeless to yeah. have your home flooded and then to know that it's because of a mistake that people made that's that that feels uh, yeah. more hurtful yeah a, a very preventable mistake it's not like like Harvey. Yeah. A hurricane came through yeah. and dumped 50 inches of rain. Of course, there were some mistakes with that when people there released a, a dam or yeah. something. But, you know. Not the same. <laughs> yeah, this was exclusively yeah. human error. No, but it is. So, I mean, I, I don't have, I guess, a whole lot else to add there. I mean, I think from uh, the iPhone one, you know, which probably be more fun to talk about for me because I'm a computer geek. But I, you know, I. Again, it boils into planning. What is your validation plan? Planning, planning, I get it, planning, and I get planning, that's planning. frustrating for people who bought them. I just feel like did it affect people's lives dramatically, like a flood? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> you know, this is true. 
The iPhone 4 was a big deal. They changed up the uh, the the screen type, the bevel, the size, the interface, the OS. Like this was supposed to be their. How do you know all this? You're not even an Apple product user. Because I was a systems administrator forever, and I had to work on all these dang things. I had to make it connect to people's email and Outlook. I was <laughs> Just... there when people switched from BlackBerry to iPhone for the first time. So I am an iPhone user, and me, you know, some of you may be up in arms that I say, "Oh, the iPhone thing is not that big of a deal." <laughs> I am Send an Darcy iPhone. All the hate mail. Please do. I don't care. It won't bother me. <laughs> um, I am an iPhone user, but just maybe two, three months ago, I upgraded <laughs> from my iPhone six S <laughs> Plus. You heard that correct. Yes. I had my 6S Plus until like three or four months ago. I'll be honest with you. If the old Blackberries would still work, I'd still use it. So to me, technology is not like that I, important in my life. I realize how I'm, I'm making myself sound here, but like I love the little the little buttons on it and the keys, and I don't need the huge big screen. I just need that little small screen. Weren't they on. coming back with something similar with these foldable phones? Yeah, but I, I like the touch of the keys. I got fat fingers, and I like the touch of the keys. We have derailed. I hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> If you have any more information or would like to add to it, please feel free to email one of us and you know send us hate mail if you want. We'll go ahead and delete that. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, this is Kyle with Texas Quality Assurance here for the Quality Matters podcast. You know, one of the things that we're seeing over and over this year is the emphasis on ESG requirements, on reporting and compliance. And unfortunately, for a lot of our clients, this seems to be a very fuzzy, vague area on how they can show what they're looking for for their organization. Contact us. Let us know if you're having any trouble here. We can help make sure that you have the product support and certifications required to show the evidence you you need to keep bringing in the business, keeping the lights on, and taking care of your people so that you can get back to doing work that matters.